This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, yo, this is Dave from TheNewYorkBudget.com. Texarkana, where you at? Joe plays board games all the time. OG still works the daily grind. Roundtable views don't always align, but help financial peace of mind. Suzanne's HR skills for the win. Doug is in Mom's cookie tin. PK's attacking Jim again. All on stacking Benjamins. Stack, stack, stack. Stacking Benjamins. Stack, 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 stack. Stacking Benjamins. Kicking it all the way from the 212 to the 903 430. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and when you're rich, all of your problems just magically disappear. What? Oh, you need the word don't in there. Okay, gotcha. All right. Turns out all of your problems don't magically disappear when you're rich. Seems weird, but we'll run with it. Today's guest should know better than most. He's a guy that signed his first NFL contract for $1.2 million dollars and ended up in debt. Former NFL Super Bowl champion and current sports broadcaster, Ryan Harris. Plus, the Democrats have a Senate majority. What impacts will that have on your money? We'll share our comprehensive thoughts during our headline segment. But wait, there's more. We'll toss out the Haven lifeline to Ron, who's considering paying off his house. Should he lop off the last 93000 in one fell swoop, or should he use the money in another way? And I'll be sure to get the gears turning with my MLK-related trivia. And now, two guys who are actually in the NFL, the No Fun Lightweights League, of course. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. I think this should be the WFL, the way fun league of financial podcasting. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Monday. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, the man, the myth, the legend, the OG. What's up? Well, you know, just hanging out. Nothing better to do. Beautiful day in paradise. uh, What's that? I said it's a beautiful day today in paradise. It is. It's a gorgeous morning. I got my coffee. Cafe. I get some money talk going some casual uh money talk actually no we got ryan harris here this dude has a super bowl ring oh and he's gonna be did he get it on ebay 
Because that's where I got mine. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't beat me up. Well, apparently there's, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to mess with Ryan Harris. Offensive lineman, probably not where you want to go there. He's just a widow guy. All-state wrestler. He what? I said, he's just a widow guy. Oh, I think he said he's just a Buckeye. Ah. I'm like, no, man, he's fighting Irish. He is going to be joining us. But first, we've got a couple headlines, but uh, we've got uh, some construction going on here, OG. In the basement. We're yes. building out a whole new wing. It is going to be amazing. Mom canned more peaches this year because of COVID and... Uh, Got to have more room. But Doug still thinks it's like a game room for him, though, right? Like it's going to be a movie room. <laughs> Just don't tell him. Bring that guy down easy. We got a great show today. Ryan Harris, Super Bowl champion. Ryan Harris waiting in the wings. But first, we got a couple of great headlines. So let's get started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Benzinga.com. This is written by Shevdeep Diwali, Benzinga staff writer. Tesla reaching $2 trillion valuation in two years. What do you think about that? Love it if you own Tesla stock. Right now, we've got Elon Musk as the richest man passing Jeff Bezos. Bezos apparently took the slow route, only getting there on the back of another company. That, that stock just going up and up and up and no money, no money, no money. Mm-hmm. But they make money now. Lots of it. Chevdeep writes, Tesla is on its way to becoming a $2 trillion company. Wedbush analyst Daniel Ives said uh, last Tuesday, Ives told Oliver Rennick of TD Ameritrade Network in an interview that the Elon Musk-led company was not an auto company, but rather a disruptive technology company. In a year or two from now, we're not just looking at $1 trillion for Tesla, but in a couple of years, this could be a company that could start to approach $1.5 trillion to $2 trillion market valuation. I've said that between Tesla and Neo, the former had the lead in the growing Chinese market. He said that it speaks to what Elon Musk had been able to accomplish being the only U.S. manufacturer without a partner in China. That said, though, you look at the price to earnings ratio of Tesla stock. Does it give you any pause? Do you start to think if I'm trading individual stocks, am I way too high here? Uh, at 1,603 for a single share for a single part of earnings. Yes. <laughs> the PE is 1600. Is, is this 1600? Yeah. 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 I mean, make 50 cents a share. So what that means people is that it's going to take Tesla 1600 years at current earnings rate to justify that stock price. If it was one-to-one, -one. but like the S&P, for example, to kind of contrast it to something completely different, take JP Morgan, large bank, a whole different industry. I got that completely has a PE ratio of 18. So 1600, 18. And you say, well, they're different companies, you know, and different industries and that sort of thing. General Motors, big company, is 21, but they're a whole different thing. They're a technology company. Okay. Apple, 40. Yeah, and, and a disruptive company as well, right? They talk about disruptive tech company. You could argue that for Apple, maybe not. Or is Apple, yeah. is Apple establishment consumer goods company now more than a tech company? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Tim Cook would come out with some cool new news every so often. If that company released more stuff. I know. Where's my new iPad, Tim? 
Yeah. Uh, but how about the new car news from Apple? I will see. I think we should talk about uh, the different type of traders out there because, you know, there's a big portion of our audience that doesn't trade any stocks. OG, doing probably what you should do for the hull of your portfolio, right? The, the main part, which is using index funds or even mutual funds, investing in your 401k, uh, picking the boring stuff, boring wins most of the time. But if you're an, if you're somebody trading individual stocks is a stock like Tesla, is that the first one you buy or do you start more conservative and kind of build your way up? I don't have any idea of the answer to this question. I like making sure that from a financial planning standpoint, all of your financial planning bases are covered. And then if you have a little bit of fun money and you want to, you know, explore with that a little bit. It has to be something that is something that you know about. You know, you can't read it on a blog post or hear what Jim Cramer has to say and then just do that. I think that if you're trying to invest in something that's undiversified, invest in something that is, you know, an outlier idea or something, it has to be something that you really know and that you spent some time on. And so you can't pull 10 grand out of your IRA, put it in a in a brokerage account to trade and then like hit submit on the first thing that you think of. Right. You know, we've had Phil town on the podcast a couple of times. He's got a good method for doing it. I don't know that it's the best one or the worst one, but a system. And I think, you know, what we've heard from all of these finance people who, who are successful in trading is that they have a model that they can repeat over and over again. And the model isn't, I looked in, you know, the Wall Street Journal for the first you know, ticker symbol I saw or I saw in Benzinga, it's going to two trillion. Yeah. So I'm in. Yeah. I like this buy what you know, but that's the top of the funnel approach. I think too many people have heard the buy what you know line and think, oh, oh OK, well, I know I know ketchup. So I'm going to buy the ketchup brand that I like. I know coffee, so I'm going to buy the coffee brand that I like or or whatever. I do like that. It's just top of the funnel. You know, as I was doing some homework for today's guest, Ryan Harris, NFL star, Ryan Harris, Notre Dame man, Ryan Harris, that Ryan Harris. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll see if he'll flash his Super Bowl ring while he's here. I heard Ryan speaking someplace else talking about how, though, there also is, if you're going to trade individual stocks, OG, and I like this approach, get your feet wet. I mean, don't buy a ton of shares, and a lot of places will let you buy fractional shares now. Uh, there is nothing better than buying a few to figure out where you're messing up your methodology. Well, and for the vast majority of stock traders out there that aren't professional, right? You lose your money. <laughs> so figure it out that you're not good at it. Figure it out early with a little bit of money that you can afford to lose and then go back to the thing. That but works. you can't do it on one of those, th these, uh, you know, there are these uh, games you can play. And, and, and listen, I like these games because I like being able to know which levers to press. You know, the stock market games where you use fake money. I don't think you can do it with fake money. I think you got to use real money because you're going to make different decisions when there's real money on the line. You got to have real money involved. That's right. My, my decision making is completely different if I've got six bucks on the line versus because, you know, I go big, OG. I go big. Six dollars. Yeah. Six, that's what I, not that's five. That's what I won in uh, Mega Millions last week. Six. No, you lost 34. It was fun talking to my kids in the morning. I'm like, guys, we won the Mega Millions. Not the Mega Millions, but uh, a, uh, a part of a Mega Million. I didn't play, believe it or not. I didn't play. Somebody's got to win. Why not me? Why not me? That's right. Our second headline comes to us from uh, the Wall Street Journal. 
I don't know if you know this, but we're getting close to a date where we're changing presidents in the United States, changing out the government. Two days away. A refresh. We're refreshing the browser of the politics in the U.S. <laughs> Democrats take over the Senate. Personal finance hangs in the balance, says the Wall Street Journal staff. Recently, Democratic candidates won both runoff races in Georgia and took control of the U.S. Senate. This marks a sea change in Washington and potentially the financial lives of Americans. With Democrats to control the White House and Congress for the first time in more than a decade, President-elect Joe Biden's legislative agenda will face less opposition. Here's what to watch for in laws and provisions in months to come. Okay, let's lead off here. OG, does your financial life hang in the balance? Hangs in the with balance. The Democrats controlling the Senate. Uh, no. Just shoot me. Shoot me. What is clickbait for 300, Alex? Oh, sorry. I can't say Alex anymore. We got to say Ken. Oh, we do got to say Ken. How long is that going to take, by the way? For people not to get that joke. Is, but, but is Ken permanent? Uh, I don't think I, Ken's permanent. I, I think I he's know. just doing he it might, for now. Might be for a while. But I'm just Did saying, he's... like, how long before you can say... I'll take uh, clickbait for 300, Alex, and somebody go, uh, my name's Joe. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, that'll be a sad day in America. It will be, actually. That'll be sad. By the way, did you see that, that Ken already got in trouble for some like tweets that he had? No. <laughs> it, just, it, takes you, it takes you 15 minutes of fame for somebody to go back through your old tweets and go, yeah, probably uh-huh. uh, should be saying that stuff. If one was smart, one would go back through one's Facebook posts and tweets and just delete them all, or most of them. Or, or just not partake. Or not partake. That's true, too. That's, that's, what I, that's what I think about every day. I'm like, why am I doing this? Okay, here comes another tweet. I get very frustrated when I see people spend more time worrying about what's happening in Washington like it's a football game. Like we got the, we got these supporters and these supporters and this supporter, let's support freaking ideas. And the, the first idea OG is Washington is still going to be a quagmire folks. Doesn't matter who's in charge. Doesn't matter. It's still going to be a quagmire. There's not you th- crap. Didn't get done the last four years. You think crap's going to get done the next four years or the other way around. You think that, that I love these people that say that, you know, Joe Biden's been incompetent for the past 40 years, and now all of a sudden he's going to change America in the next four and we're going to hate it. How do you go from incompetent to completely changing things? How do you, it doesn't matter if it's Republicans, if it's Democrats, they're not going to pay your credit card bills, OG. They're not going to pay off your credit card bill. They're not going to get you a raise at work. Well, well. You're right. For the average person, they might change the tax code and you might get another 18 bucks. But we've already proven that even with 2000 bucks, we take it to Walmart, we buy a big screen TV. And by the way, we don't spend 2000 bucks on that because we need the good one. We spend four grand. So we take out a loan and the $2,000. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't matter who's in office locally, regionally, nationally internationally. I think you should pay attention. Well, you got to pay attention. I mean, not now. <laughs> don't, don't pay attention. But you got to do your thing. Look at the stock market has had, I didn't bother looking. I don't care. However many Democratic Congresses and we've had a couple of different combinations, right? We've had Republicans as presidents with Republican senators and Democrat House. 
and we've had Democrats and Democrats and Democrats and Democrats, Republicans, Republicans, Democrats, Republicans, Democrats. All the combinations have existed. And the stock market has still gone up. The fact that you have to retire in 25 years from now still will occur, regardless of who's president right now. For all the people in 2000 who said, oh my God, could you believe this idiot from Texas was elected? What if you would have just said at that time, like, well, that's it. I'm just going to put my head in the sand. I'm never going to do anything. I'll show them. I just will never save any money. What would you have, what would you have accomplished? Right. You would be 20 years behind where you should be now if you would just do the right stuff with your money, not pay off your bills. Don't borrow too much money or any if you can make it work. Build a cash reserve. Put money in your 401k. Take advantage of whatever tax incentive things exist in the moment that you happen to be looking at it, right? Because they're going to change. Do some calculations on the back of an envelope of here's how much money I've got and here's how much money I need to have. And here's how much I can save. And here's how long it's going to take, you know, like set up goals along the way for you. All of that is uh, not relevant of who is president or not. And so I want to go through these. Another round of stimulus payments. For some people, another stimulus payment might change things for them in the short term. Oh, gee, it might. Yeah. But, but you still need the personal accountability in the systems that when that money hits your account, if it happens, you have to take care of that money. You have to have the systems. $2,000 more. I played this game when I was younger. $2,000 more ain't going to change the, the game. I used to always think, hey, if I make more money, if I make more money, my bills will get better. If I make more money, I can pay off this debt. You know what? I could have had a million dollars and I'd find a damn way to spend one2 like I would totally find a way to spend 1.2. It wasn't about how much money. It was what I had, what I did with the money I had first. And then, by the way, once you have those systems under control, then adding more money can be the secret sauce. Yeah. Well, and if you're a business owner, you can do this and prove your point. I was talking to a business owner friend of mine because we were working on some tax stuff. And I said, hey, when was the last time you went in QuickBooks? or ask your accountant to run a profit and loss statement for the previous 10 years. He goes, why would I want to do that? I said, just do it. And then look at that top line number, like the total money you've made in the last 10. You can do this if, even if you're not a business owner. Go take all of your W-2s. It's almost tax season, right? So get all your W-2s from 2010 till 2020 and add it up and then go, holy crap, I made a lot of money in the last decade. Because when you look at that in aggregate and you go, and then compare that to where you are financially in terms of your savings or your 401k balance or your cash reserve or your Roth and go, have you made 50 grand a year for the last 10 years? And you look at that and you say, okay, I made half a million freaking dollars in the last 10 right. years. And I couldn't put away five grand. You have to figure it out from a system standpoint, because if all of a sudden you made a million dollars in the next decade, if you can't put away five grand on 500,000, you're not going to put away 10 grand on a million. If now you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, it's just set it up, automate it. Number two on this list, an extension of cares act provisions might happen. But again, if I'm renting a house, if I own a house and I'm struggling with the mortgage payments, so I'm struggling to pay my bills, can't pay my student loans. I still got to take care of that either way. So even, and and, and by the way, I think it's more prudent to proceed as if it's not going to happen. Proceed as if it's not going to, and then go, oh, thank you if it does. Yeah. But you still got to take care of it. Third, a broad retirement bill. 
Here's a question for you, OG. Is a different retirement savings program going to make people save more money for retirement? What is no? If only there was a new three-letter acronym that I could save into an account. Student loan forgiveness is next. You know, I think a lot of us have learned a lot of hard lessons about the ROI of college and about the fact that maybe we were sold a bill of goods, that uh, college education was going to change everything for us. And well, it changed some things. All right. It still has a return on investment or not. And it's okay to take classes that don't have an ROI to learn about yourself and all that, but doing it on the back of student loans, there's a, there's a payment there. So even if your student loans are forgiven, you got to learn the lesson. The lesson still has to be there. Tax increases, tax cuts, vote for somebody different, right? But what are you going to do about those besides vote for somebody different? Yeah. I mean, you can write your Congress people. You can write your Senator. If there's some specific issue that, you know, is relevant to you, they do tend to look at it and read it. But yeah, I mean, they're going to change the tax laws. They're going to change them. Support. Well, let me rephrase. They are, they, the broad brushstroke of everyone who has power to do this between now and the end of history, they are going to change it. I know not the day nor the hour. And I think that's another thing is to embrace the change, right? Embrace, embrace the fact that there will be change. I mean, people hate change and change is the only thing we know is going to happen. So why the hell do you hate it? You have to learn to know that it's going to be in the background. I don't know. Get a little fired up when I see articles like this. Thanks, Taylor. Taylor, our show producer, put this in the headlines. He just wanted to see us get a little angry. In just a second, OG and I will have our takeaways from today's discussion. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I think our takeaway, number one, irregardless, my favorite word. Oh, God. Oh, my oh. favorite word. Nails on the chalkboard. Not even regardless, just irregardless. Not not regardless? <laughs> not regardless. Yeah. Irregardless. It's not a word, though. Doesn't matter who's in the government. You still got to take care of you. You take care of you. You do you. Got it. Spend as much time thinking about taking care of you as you do getting angry at your relatives on Facebook because they have different oh. political beliefs than you do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so says Joe. Maybe I need to learn that lesson. And then uh, number two, stock betting. Use real money. Buy a few fractional shares, buy what you know, but that's only the top of your funnel. Create a methodology and learn to work the methodology, but nothing will help you get there more than saving some money. I think that could be our main takeaway today, OG. Save some money.
Ryan Harris was an NFL star for 10 years. You will now hear him on a broadcast for the Denver Broncos where he won Super Bowl 50. Well, he didn't win. The Denver Broncos won, and he was a part of that team. And he was also a four-year starter for this little school in South Bend, Indiana called Notre Dame. Notre Dame. That's how Uh, they say it. No, that's the one in Paris. It's French. The one in Paris is Notre Dame. This is Notre Dame. It was just south of me when I was growing up. Grew up in, not I wouldn't say in the shadow, maybe the shadow of the shadow of uh, Notre Dame, but not, not far away from that. Not only was Ryan an offensive lineman for 10 years, but he also saw the type of financial problems that a lot of NFL stars had. Proving again what we were talking about earlier, OG, that more money does not equal solving your problem. It does not equal it. Now he's a huge advocate for financial literacy. He speaks to groups and motivates them on learning how to save more money, learning to get started. And we're so happy that he's here with us today. I'm sure we're going to have a wide ranging conversation. He also is the author of a book that you'll find at uh, his website and on bookstore shelves. So let's say hello to man is going to help us get the financial gears going. Ryan Harris. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's our new friend, Ryan Harris. How are you, man? Doing good, Joe. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad you could join us. I want to set up my first question this way. I've heard and fact check me on this. You're in the NFL. You've got reportedly a $1.2, I think, million dollar contract and you're $30,000 in debt. How the heck does that happen? First of all, is that true? And if so, how does that happen? Yeah, after my first year in the NFL, I, I on paper made $1.2 million. And uh, and I asked the same question you did. You know, when I found that out, I was like, who's spending my money? And, you know, and it's kind of like, well. And what ended up happening is even with a political science degree and an economics and policy degree, I didn't know how to manage my personal finances. I didn't know what to do with money. I didn't know how to say no to people. One of the things that I learned as well in the NFL, you get paid the second week in September until the end of your season, but then you don't get paid for about eight months, right? Until you get to that next September. So I didn't have a budget. I didn't save. I didn't know how to invest. And I, and more importantly, I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know how to let other people's problems stay other people's problems. Mm. And that's why I was broke. Uh, after making $1.2 million on paper. You said somewhere, though, that you saw that a lot in NFL locker rooms, Ryan. Uh, players didn't know how to manage money. All the time. And it's not just in the NFL, right? You know, I, I wrote an article, the, the five things NFL players go broke on, and it was, you know, wildly successful. But the secret is that's all of us. 78% of NFL players are bankrupt two years after they're done playing in the NFL. An example, I had a teammate, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the young cat said, hey, man, you need to learn how to invest. Here's how you do it. I'll walk you through it. I'll sit down with you, let you and, and help you buy your first stock just to change your mindset about money. And oh, by the way, do not go buy a new car. Do not go buy a new car. Do not go buy a new car. And this young player who was making $435,000 sounds like a lot, right? But minus taxes and all those other things, uh, he went out and bought a brand new Porsche Panamera, four-door Porsche. And you know, now, and then six months later, he was out of the NFL. And one of the things I tell people is delay your purchases three months to three years. He had a Porsche Panamera without winter tires going back to Philadelphia uh, without equity, investments, 
or any type of cash. And that's preventable. And those kind of stories happen all the time in the NFL. I'm surprised that agents aren't more proactive about literacy with their players or do agents, you wrote a piece saying that the front office kind of likes you guys being broke, right? Cause it's easier for them to negotiate, yeah. but, but I'm surprised agents aren't more involved. Well, at the end of the day, agents need you to like them, right? They're this unique piece of the NFL players, you know, uh, a life. And that's not their job. An agent's job isn't to help you make sound decisions. An agent's job is to get you as much money as possible. And a lot of guys, if agents start trying to tell them, hey, do this, do that, you know, with your money, one, they're going to get suspicious. Two, you're telling somebody not to enjoy what they've worked for, you know, which is really hard to do, especially if you haven't done it yourself. And three, you start to distance yourself away from your player. You know, not a lot of people take advice well, right? I mean, let alone financial advice. And it's something that's very delicate. And there have been stories in the past of agents who have recommended a financial advisor to a player only to have that financial advisor take all of their money. Right. So agents try and stay in their lane. But you mentioned it. Front offices, they want players to be broke because, Joe, if I'm willing to pay you $2 million, but you're broke, you're going to take an $800,000 contract with $20,000 to sign. I just made money. I'm laughing at the golf course. You're feeling good, kind of, but you know you're undervalued. And you're hoping already in signing this deal for your next deal. It's a brutal process. I feel like for a lot of us, the correlation there is is credit card debt, right? I mean, you, you've you also told stories elsewhere where you lived in a family where you couldn't believe you could actually pay off your debt. Like you weren't going to yeah. have, you weren't going to have debt forever, right? Nobody in my family talked about paying off debt. You know, I grew up in a household that you could pay down debt, get more debt. And it wasn't until after I bought my first home that what I call conciliary said, you know, now you should pay off this house. I said, what do you mean pay it off? He said, well, you know, you can actually own it without paying a mortgage. And well, no, I didn't, you know, and like, what? that's, that's <laughs> like you, you mentioned that. I mean, that's how many credit card bills do we pay the minimum on? No, mm -hmm. now learning that you're going to incur almost more in costs due to fees than the payment you just made, whether it's overpaying on your principal. I always tell people, if you have a mortgage, Look at how much the principal is. Usually it's like 200 bucks, right? Or 250 bucks of a $1,500 so or $1,900 payment. Oh, but if you double that principal payment alone, you can cut your mortgage, you know, years in half. So we just have to be better as a society teaching each other how to actually pay off debt, understanding what good and bad debt is. You know, debt for shoes is not good debt, right? But, yeah. but debt to get a computer programming degree, that is good debt. Those are the things, all the things that I learned after two degrees at Notre Dame and after making uh, $1.2 million worth of mistakes. You talk about money and stress a lot. All of us feel it. I mean, we're working paycheck to paycheck. You've seen all the numbers, Ryan. What's the first step to getting out of that stress, to starting to eliminate that stress? You know, looking at price versus cost. When you're purchasing items, you know, the new iPhone 12 is going to be, you know, $1,200. Well, that's the price of that iPhone. How much does it cost for you to live, to eat, to take your kids to school? I mean, well, now add that cost with that price to that iPhone, and you begin to start seeing how much things really cost in your life. And one of the ways to start digging yourself out and creating some space is to, one, know that it's extremely hard to do. Find out the cost of your living and add that to the price of the things you want. You'll start seeing that a $5,000 iPhone is not worth it, right? That uh, a $7,000 trip to see your in-laws isn't financially responsible. You're going to have to say no to yourself. I mean, one of the hardest things in the NFL, Joe, is having the money to do whatever you want 
and saying, I'm not going to do that. I could go buy a Mercedes today. You know what? That's not really smart. That doesn't fit my financial plan. Uh, and, and it takes some time. You go and buy something right away. You know you have it. You can show it to your friends. You can post it or whatever. Uh, but if you don't spend money, well, nobody really sees this. And, and nobody sees that growth that you have. And maybe it's because I'm an offensive lineman, but I could care less what people think about my money, you know? <laughs> Is that the offensive lineman mentality right there, right? Yeah, I mean, other people are going to, you know, shine around you, but, are, you know, where's the work really being done? You know what I mean? Hey, anybody could run down 40 yards down the field and catch a football. I could have done that all day, right? You know, as a lineman, you learn to be successful with your success out of the public eye. And that's the reason why a lot of linemen in the NFL are successful financially. Could Notre Dame have used a little bit more of that mentality back here a couple of weeks ago in the, uh, in, in the playoffs? <laughs> Well, you know, not just Notre Dame, how many of us, when faced with the opportunity of a lifetime, choose not to believe in our abilities and preparation? I mean, the, the, the difference between winning and losing is hesitation. And Notre Dame just hesitated a little bit uh, when they played Alabama and when they played Clemson towards the end of the year. You can't hesitate, you know, and it's third and 12 uh, and you're going against a Vaughn Miller or things like that in the NFL. You better believe in yourself. And when you get the opportunity to succeed, when it, whether that's a pitch, whether that's a, uh, a job interview, why not go knock it out of the park? Why not believe in yourself going into it and take every shot? So many of us don't do that. And, uh, and we saw that kind of happen with Notre Dame the past couple of weeks of their season. That's a great transition. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your book, Mindset for Mastery. Because we all have that doubt. I mean, not these guys, these college players, as you know, Ryan, are you in the Super Bowl or playing in the NFL? As you said, there's no room for doubt, yet all of us on a daily basis, we doubt that we can get ourselves out of credit card debt. We doubt that we can actually be rich. We doubt that we can influence our community. What's the first step to removing this negative self-talk that we all seem to have? You know, one of the things you said is there's no room for doubt. Yes, there is. Oh. Right? Understand that doubt's going to be a part of your process that you're doing something new. You know, I always say when we choose our favorite ice cream, there's no stress there, right? I know I'm going to go get a peppermint bomb bomb waffle cone. You know, it's delicious. You <laughs> that know? is hugely stressful uh, for it, me, man. Hugely stressful yeah, well, for me. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it's not your ice cream, right? But know that like, you know, I had to learn to perform in the NFL and to create a second career after my NFL career. Doubt's going to be there. I, mean, I used to think, Joe, every game that I was going to give up six sacks. And instead of worrying about that, after about five years, I said, you know what? This is a part of my process. This doubt means I'm doing something. I'm going to perform at this apex level. And so accepting fear, accepting doubt, realizing that thoughts aren't facts can really bring us peace, right? Okay, I'm going to get myself out of credit card debt. I doubt I can do it. Good. I'm going to try it anyways. Right. And it's funny, too, because parents always ask me similar questions. I say, well, what do you teach your kids to do about doubt? Well, they, they got to overcome it. Oh, great. Overcome it. Right. Recognize it, you know, and and even with fear, with doubt, with mistakes, people think, too, with personal finance, you got to be perfect. Hello. You and I will tell people, Joe, there's mistakes. To, mistakes were made. What do you do next? And can you live? Can you make room for that self-doubt? to a place where you can let it not stop you and you can continue to go beyond and perform and save and invest, ask new questions and reach new heights. You uh, found some inspiration for your investing journey. I know from a guy that uh, his name was, uh, was Warren Buffet. 
And um, <laughs> turned out that wasn't his name, but it was close. But seriously, close. where do, I mean, people find inspiration, Ryan, from you. But where do you look to for financial inspiration? For me, I look to the people around me. You know, the wealthiest people I know, you never know they were wealthy. Wealth doesn't look rich. And it took me a while to notice that. The quieter guys in the locker room who were driving, you know, manufacturer-issued cars were the wealthiest guys, the guys who weren't stressed out, weren't asking when we were going to get paid, even though they had made $2 million already that year. So when you start looking at who around you has wealth, who's doing it the right way, typically you'll find that person's not stressed. Maybe they have a car that's, you know, doesn't fit their wealth status, but they own it. They're not worried about it. They got no payments. And so you start asking these questions, you know, well, I save 60 to $80 out of every $100 I make. Whoa. Did you ever have a roommate? Yeah. I had three roommates at one point and they were in there all paying me money. But you know, this, that's what I wanted to do because I had a long-term vision and it's out there. And one of the tough things though, is we talk about financial failures less than we talk about our financial successes. And it's so hard to know who really has money. You know, my brother-in-law says, if you had to see on a license plate, how much of a percentage of, of that car that person owned, we'd see a lot of different cars out on the road. And it's so easy to pull the wool over someone's eyes with money. You just got to go out, seek it just like you would a good recipe or or a good place to stay for a vacation. It's like there's two different games being played, you know? I mean, you played this game in front of millions of people on a field. There's the game people think we're playing, which is loud and proud and I'm driving this beautiful car. But then this more secretive game, like the Millionaire Next Door kind of game. Well, that was my favorite book I've ever read about money. The Millionaire Next Door. I mean... You know, big hat, no cattle. That's a phrase that I learned, you know, and uh, what's the guy say? I drink two types of beer, free and Budweiser. You know, I love that <laughs> line because what, it's so interesting when I ask people, when I speak specifically about financial literacy, I say, what, what do rich people do? And a lot of rich people say, well, they do this, they spend that, they go on vacations, they do this. Okay. Each and every one of you just gave me what you think rich people do. What do wealthy people actually do? They build out, not up. They have life insurance. They have income investments. They talk about things like cash flow, equity. They always act from a position of strength and opportunity, never trying to win on the margins. And that's a totally different way to, to live life. And one of my great friends says, wealth looks well-rested. And if you're trying to do so much and you need more and you need more credit to really live your lifestyle you're not really there. And it can be embarrassing for some people. I know for me as an African-American man, Joe, you know, when I first got my first car, it was a used Escalade, but I wanted rims on it. And part of the reason for me was I didn't want people to treat me without respect. Well, it took me a while to learn that it doesn't matter what I look like for someone to respect me. You're going to respect me one way or another, you know, and learning those things is a process, but it can be very, very difficult. I want to ask you a question about your degree in economic policy, because you're spreading the word about financial literacy. But as you know, not just from your degree, but from all the speaking you've done, the research you've done, systemic poverty is a huge problem, right? And my friend, uh, John Hope Bryant talks about how there are families where this stuff isn't taught. We also have seen financial literacy doesn't work like financial literacy programs often fail. What do you think the first step is for us to break some of this systemic poverty issue we have? I mean, don't get me wrong. We could probably, Ryan, you and I talk. I'm not, I'm not asking you to solve a problem nobody's been able to solve for, for the time the U.S. has been around. But where do you think we're getting it wrong? Well, we do need to teach it. 
I know about FOIL, first, outside, inside, last, on an algebra problem, right, than I did about leveraging uh, interest rates. Who tells us that we can actually negotiate with the bank? How about an entire class on negotiation? Isn't that an important skill in life? And where we get it wrong is that so many cultures do this, right? There are entire cultures where, you know, there's negotiation. There's no price on anything. Every price of something is negotiable. And it's because you need to know and be prepared for what you can afford, but also them. I mean, there's an entire world of banking in the Islamic world that doesn't deal with interest. You know, that's a totally different way to look at money and to purchase things. So I do believe we need to teach it in schools. And I'm on the board here at Economic Literacy Colorado, and we've taught over 15,000 teachers how to incorporate financial literacy into their programs. We've done a stock market program that allows students to mimic purchasing stocks and watching that. And until we're aware of it, how could we possibly know? And looking at the education opportunities we have, whether it's a week in the summer or it's a part of a mandated uh, education you know, platform, we need to educate our youth because when we have financial literacy, there's more ownership in communities, there's more engagement in communities, it makes communities safer, and it allows for greater growth and production. You do lots of speaking around the country, around the world on financial literacy. Where can people find you, Ryan? Yeah, check me out, RyanHarris68.com, uh, or you can ch- look me up on LinkedIn as well. And I'm always happy to be a resource. And I'm thankful for you, Joe, and, and, and your partner, the OG, for everything you guys do to bring this platform and these conversations to the forefront. It's really, really important for us moving forward. All right, I got two very important things here. Uh, and by the way, everybody, we'll link to Ryan on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com if you're out walking the dog or whatever. But for those of you joining us on YouTube, flash the ring. You got to flash the ring. You mean this little paperweight right there? <laughs> little, you know? Oh my God. Yeah, it's beautiful. I see I see why the ladies like diamonds. It goes with everything, Joe. It goes with a jacket, sweatpants. It's, it's fantastic. How great was it? Was it better being on the field that day winning or better when you got that ring? I suppose, I suppose being on the field that day. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing because you're on fire, Joe. On the field, no question. You're on fire. I mean, Everything you've worked for, you're living in this moment. And I remember walking through as the confetti was falling down, sticking to my sweaty face. I'm like, I'm going through the wormhole right here. You know, you don't know which way is up or down. And you're like, hey, I'm just here. And then all of a sudden, you know, I I go through the confetti and there's uh, Tim Cook from Apple. Hey, Tim, let's get a photo. He's like, sure. You know, and (laughs) oh, by the way, you're walking out and Eli Manning's there and all these people are there. And I'm still looking for Beyonce and Lady Gaga. I know they're my parents, you know, and. It's just insane. And what I realized instantly is that when you believe in yourself, when you win the Super Bowl, you know, everything you believe about yourself comes true for other people. I told people that my sacrifice was worth it. I told people that I was good enough to win. And I was living that realization. And I want people to have that moment in their lives. And financial literacy is a great way to get started on living the life that you want and and showing the discipline that can create success long term. Stackers, I'm your trivia guy, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And you know how you're always thinking about your next opportunity? Like when I was working at the Tasty Freeze and I wondered what would happen if I were the manager? All that hot, hot fudge. Hmm. Well, on that note, with Ryan Harris here and all this talk about the NFL and sports broadcasting, I think maybe that's my next move. From middling finance show guy to sports broadcasters. What a leap. 
Not only do I know a ton about sports, like how to hold that racquetball thingy and what to do with that orange round thing when you're playing that one game, but I've been practicing speaking for years. While I can't believe there haven't been any awards lobbed in my direction during the reign of this show, how about this question? Today, we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day in America. What prominent award did Martin Luther King win back in 1964 that came with the equivalent of $400,000 today? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can run a two-minute drill. We all have smartphones. And we all know they're pretty amazing, but they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh, God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Hey, trivia fans, I'm your pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. So get this, you can hear this voice whenever you're listening to your favorite sports. You know, MLB, uh, N- NBF, NHR, NWA, st- stuff like that. You know, track and cross, I can do them all. How's this for you? Here she comes, down the staircase. She's rounding the corner in the final stretch, and she's done it rah, rah. the crowd's going wild wah, wah. joe's mom has made it down the stairs <laughs> i bet you never thought stairs could be so exciting did you just imagine what i could do with the an actual uh, uh, cbl contest <laughs> i'd make plenty Speaking of, Martin Luther King won an award back in 1964 that at the time came with a cash prize that's the equivalent of $400,000 today. What was the award? If you guessed the Nobel Peace Prize, you'd be right. Dr. King didn't even keep the money, actually. He donated the entire sum to the civil rights movement. And now that you know the trivia answer, time for me to go make my pitch to Ryan why I'd be his perfect broadcasting partner. See ya! Big thanks to Ryan. Proof again, OG, that having more money does not solve your problems. 78% of NFL people, if I remember, the, it was just a few minutes ago, if I remember that number though, 78% of former NFL players broke within the first couple of years. Yeah. Or as my good friend, Marshawn Lynch, so eloquently said, I done been on the other side of a retirement and it's good when you get over there and you can do what the fuck you want to. So I tell y'all right now, while y'all in it, take care of y'all bread. So when y'all done, you go ahead and take care of yourself. So while y'all at it right now, take care of y'all bodies. You know what I mean? Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? They'll take care of y'all mentals because, look, we ain't lasting that long. Um, you know, I had a couple of players that I played with that, you know what I mean, they no longer here no more. They no longer. So, I mean, you feel me? Start taking care of y'all mentals, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken for when y'all, you know, ready to walk away. You walk away 
and you'll be able to do what you want to do. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is so good. It's awesome. Marshawn Lynch is sweet, dude. He's done so much. Like, you know, he's from Oakland, right? And he's done so much for that community. And, uh, you know, he gets a little bit of a bad rep for, you know, not wanting to talk to the media and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I don't blame him. No, no, he, he, he gets he, it. He does the right stuff. Let's dive into a couple things that Ryan said. I love the fact that he said, oh, gee, that you can't think that uh, stress isn't going to be there. You got to realize that stress will always be there. So it's not about eliminating stress from your life. It's about knowing that there's always going to be stress and finding ways to really not only cope with it, but to thrive in a stressful situation. I think that I, th- I thought that was huge. As long as you accept the fact, just like we talked about earlier, that change is happening. As long as you accept that, then you can release yourself from having to worry about the change and instead think about it from the perspective of like, what can I do? Second thing is comparing the problems that the, you know, a lot of times people say these, these NFL stars don't, um, they don't have the same issues that we have. But when he talks about a room full of millionaires and nobody's getting themselves educated about money, that's something we can all do. Right. Just get a little, get a little more educated. Good stuff. Big thanks to Ryan again for joining us. What a great ambassador for financial literacy. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions, OG. Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Big fan of Tesla at 1600 PDE. <laughs> That's what I value the most. If you're, a, if, if you're a shareholder. Yeah. If you bought it a long time ago, you also value that. Yes, you very much value that. You think it can go to 3000 PE. Please, God. It's actually loved ones in your time, but why not bathe in Tesla stock with your loved ones all the time? Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now. You'll see how they make it easier for you to spend time doing other things. You'll get a free quote instantly. Their application is simple. It's online. They've gotten rid of all those baloney questions that they don't need the answer to, all these legacy questions that nobody's thought about. They get right to the point, affordable prices, all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. So you get both. You get the innovation of a startup and you get the common sense wisdom of a company that's been there. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our friend, Ron. Say hi, Ron. Hello, Joe and OG. Got a question about my house. I've been in it for about two and a half years now. I know I'll be in it for another five years. I've got 93K left on the home and I have the ability to pay it off without hurting me financially. My question is, should I pay it off or just keep the money in the bank for the next home that I might buy? Looking forward to your feedback. Thanks again. Thanks, Ron, for the question. I don't know, gee, of all those things, the one thing I wouldn't do, all the thoughts I had, I would not leave the money in the bank. Yeah. I mean, pay the house off. You got the money. You're going to stay in the house for a while. You obviously want to do it. Otherwise you wouldn't have thought about it or thought to ask the question. So make it simple. Be rid of the banker. I love that. It's going to feel so freeing, Ron, to be without that debt. You know, Ryan Harris talked about it earlier in the show about how freeing paying off debt is. You can do 
uh, whatever you want to do, then you have flexibility, you still own the house and you can use that equity then to purchase your next house later on. So the equity is, is still in the property. The, the reason you don't want to leave it at the bank is because you're, you're seeing these fairly historically low interest rates on an ongoing basis. And when we're talking about high interest rates is 0.5 and 0.6, and you'll see some of these fintech companies offering one or maybe a little bit above one, we're still looking OG at rates that don't keep up with inflation. So better to deploy that money unless it's your emergency fund. Emergency funds have a whole different ROI. Yeah, and 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 with an emergency fund, you know, you're trying to protect the downside so that you can be more aggressive on the upside, right? That's the idea of an emergency fund. You can go invest the rest in Tesla and not worry about it. So that is an option, of course, or uh or pay off your house. But um I've never known anybody who's paid off their house that said, God, that was stupid. God, I'm such an idiot. Why did I, I do that? I regret that. Oh, God, I'm going to go get another mortgage just to make my life more complicated. And the professors will tell you, the broke professors especially, will tell you how dumb that is, right? And yet people that have done it, I'm with you, 100% unanimous. Hey, no debt. Doesn't suck. You know what? It's uh, one less thing to worry about, as uh, fine folks from Hamilton told us. If you if you if you walk that back just a little bit, when you say that he is when uh, Ron, you say you have all your bases covered. The one thing that I would be interested in, and and this isn't for Ron as much as it's for most people, is you know look at things like your retirement goal because a lot of the time people might be behind on some of these long t- what seems like long term goals that sneak up on you and you're not. And oh gee, if he's way behind on retirement, I might have a different strategy than instead of paying off the house, even though I'm still with you, it wouldn't stink, but I think there is a more optimal way to go about that. Sure. But he said it didn't affect him. I'm assuming he meant it didn't affect me on cash. I've got enough cash reserve. It didn't affect me on my retirement plan. I'm on track for that. And this just happens to be extra. I mean, and this happens a lot to people, right? So you kind of get, I I wish it happened more often. Well, I wish. Yeah. But I just, I always say you never make your last car payment. You never make your last boat payment. You never make your last mortgage because at some point in time along the way, you're paying the house off, paying the house off, paying the house off, paying the house off, paying the house off. And you get an RSU grant that vests, which pretty closely matches the balance in the house and you just pay it off. You know, you never make it to the 360th payment. And so maybe that's the case. Maybe, you know, he's just, life is good and got rewarded for a job well done or was a business owner and had a successful year. And I said, I got this little extra money. It matches up to this other obligation that I have, I can in one fell swoop, make it go away. And, um, I I think that's a great way to do it. Thanks for the question, Ron. You got a question for us. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And, uh, Oh gee, we've worked through a lot of our questions. So, uh, if you want to be next on tap, plus we would love to do soon an all questions episode. We're actually gearing up for one. Now we do have some there, but we're going to go through questions fairly quickly. So, Definitely Don't Ask Us is your complete backstop. I'd have people you know in your corner uh, who can help you. But um, but if you want a second opinion on something, bring it on. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. All right, that's going to do it for today. Last but not least, a couple things. Number one, we have a live event coming up, our Stack event. We just secured the talent for the event. God knows that's not us. We just secured... <laughs> We just secured some talent for that event. It's going to be great. Uh, last time we brought you the woman behind the fire movement, Vicki Robin. We brought you a drug dealer with a phenomenal reform story, Michael Santos, and 
the magician for billionaires, this one OG is going to be better, but we're not going to tell people what it is. You got to show up. That's what we want these stack events to be a lot of fun on YouTube. Uh, follow us on the stacker, our email. I think those are a little close stack and stacker, but follow the stacker uh, for more stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker or our basement Facebook group. We'll also have more coming up. That's going to be March 3rd. It'll be in the evening on the East coast, late afternoon on the West coast. We'll have more details as we get closer with the actual time, but mark off your calendar for March 3rd peeps. If you want to join us with our live event, we've had two of them already OG. And as you know, they've been, they've been a lot of fun. Lastly, if you're somebody who needs financial help in your corner, listen, after last year and the, the turmoil that we went through in the last year, you deserve to have good people in your corner helping you make better financial decisions. And OG and his team are taking clients. The doors are open. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash OG to get on their calendar and see how they and their team can maybe join your team to help you make better financial decisions. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, what should we have learned on this episode? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. Regardless of political beliefs, it's important to be aware of who's in power and what changes they're looking to make so you can make more informed financial planning decisions. What's even more important? Remember that Washington isn't going to pay your credit card bill or fund your Roth IRA. Focus on what you control more than anything. Second, take a lesson from Ryan Harris. Financial stress? It's better to realize that it's going to be there and adjust accordingly than to hope it goes away. But the big lesson? If you're looking to score a job with Ryan Harris, realize that he doesn't have a sense of humor. I tried to tell him a couple of jokes knowing that he went to Notre Dame. I did this one. Check it out. Did you hear that Coach Brian Kelly dressed only 15 players for the big Alabama-Notre Dame game? The rest can finally dress themselves. <laughs> he, he, he didn't like it. So, so then I tried this one. Uh, why are they planning to resurface Notre Dame's stadium in cardboard? Because Notre Dame always plays better on paper. But... Uh, that one that one didn't work either. So then I laid this one on him. What do the fighting Irish and marijuana have in common? They both get smoked in a bowl. Oh, my God. It's just, okay, that one's pretty damn funny. Uh, then Ryan said we'd never work together, and uh, I can't figure out why. It's a joke, Ryan. A joke. Special thanks to Ryan Harris for joining us. You'll find links to everything Ryan's doing. And man, it is a lot at RyanHarris68, that's the number, 68.com. We'll also have a link on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. 
This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. This is going to be a short one because uh, looking at the clock, we got you and I have things to do in four minutes. I'm going to do a full review later, OG. The show, Tehran. Do you pronounce that city Tehran? Tehran? Oh, in Iran. Uh, I would say Tehran, yes. Or is it Iran? Iran? Iran so far away? Iran. Iran. Tehran. Uh, I was looking at Fast Company, Secrets from the Most uh, Successful People, the, the Most Productive People. And I love that episode, or that that episode, I think in terms of episodes. I love that issue every year. Don't subscribe anymore to Fast Company because I just never get through them all. But I picked it up at our local Books A Million, and I'm loving it. But these highly productive people had advice on like what, what music they like, not even advice, just, you know, sh- sharing among friends, right? And somebody said the show Tehran on Apple TV. Started watching it last night, an hour on the edge of my seat, super high, um, super, super high stakes. It appears it was a good recommendation to the point that it's such a thriller. Shows that are this intense, I often have to pause. Like I'm watching uh, Killing Eve as well. And I've had episodes of Killing Eve that I had to pause partway and walk away. I'm like, I, I can't sit and watch this. Take a breath. Take a breath. Yeah. Yes. I just got to pause it and I got to come back and go, okay, now I can watch the next part. But Tehran is, appears to be a very good show, but, but I'll have more later. Okay. What are you watching? Uh, I just turned on the crown season four, uh, finished billion season five, as far as they've gotten it. Sadly, they haven't done any more. That's not the end of the season yet, but they're, I think maybe episode six in or something. That's still my favorite show. I got to do the crown uh, season four as well. Cheryl watched it ahead of time and she said she liked it enough that she'll watch it again with me. In fact, last night when we were turning it on, we're getting ready to watch a new series, 50 million to choose from. And I go, Oh, the crown. I said, and she goes, well, do you want to start the crown or do you want to watch? I'm like, let's try out this Tehran. I'm probably going to watch that first. Yeah. Also the new one with Brian Cranston, your honor looks pretty good. I watched the first episode of Mr. Mayor. Um, eh, the new, I heard it was okay with uh, yeah, it's a comedy half hour TV show written by Tina Fey. So I was pretty excited about that. Cause I like 30 rock. I thought that was pretty fun starring, um, Tina Fey. No, Tina Fey's not in it. Holly oh, Hunter. So, uh, oh it, uh, yeah. 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 I thought you meant 30 rock was starring. Someone. Yeah. No, Mr. Mayor, Ted Danson, Ted Holly Danson. Hunter. Uh, first episode, not, not very funny. That's what I heard. Yeah. 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 Trying too hard. And the other one is the the one that was on HBO over the winter. I haven't got that one yet with Nicole Kidman. That one looks pretty good. Um, I think I got to get Apple TV 
like the t- Apple TV TV, you know, yeah. where you can do yeah. the morning show and the one, the one with um, Jason Sudeikis where he becomes a football. Ted Lasso, you know, football. One of my favorite shows. Doesn't get better than Ted Lasso. Yeah. So the list is long and distinguished. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.